City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Okay, we're on air at City Limits and um, it's the uh, first Wednesday of the month this time. I think two weeks ago when we last heard from us, we said next week, but then we realised that was the fifth Wednesday. <laughs> and we also, last week, must have confused listeners no end because we probably should have mentioned it was a repeat because people would have got totally lost as to what we're talking about in timescales, but it was a good program, I think. So thanks to Zeb being there more than anything else, but Zeb's here today as well. Karina's <laughs> uh, pressing buttons. I'm Kevin Healy. And uh, we are going to have John McPherson on the line very shortly talking to us about uh, lots of things, including, of course, transport, which he comes on once a month to talk about. Uh, and also, we should acknowledge, of course, that it is NADOC week. The mm-hmm. Brecky show this morning um, devoted itself to it 100%. And um, don't forget, the, there was a piece just played then with, with Kucha talking about the fact that at 11 o'clock they do the, the prisons show. So. Keep 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 going for that one because it's it's a great thing every year that happens and it's it's wonderful to see three CR playing such a key role and it's one of the reasons of course why people shouldn't have given to Radiothon because they're the sort of programs that we have that no one else does so mm-hmm. bloody good I say bloody good Zeb have you got any uh, exciting stuff for us Well I don't know if it's super exciting but no. I did right. read an interesting um, thing in Renewal Economy talking about Barnaby Joyce coming back into the fore um, and the fact that uh, that might have caused a bit of a rift between the the sides of the nationals that are like... Oh, sorry. Look, I'm going to interrupt you here. This is very rude of me, but we haven't poured the tea. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, God, no. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, Everyone want a cup, I assume? Yes, please. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, keep... Sorry, then keep going. Uh, yeah, that um, this... This like leadership spill might of course uh, a bit of a rift between the nationals that are kind of farmer based and those that are more mining based, um, and obviously Barnaby Joyce is, is pro mining, um, but they they might be kind of losing their um, their farming voter base. So I don't know if you have anything to say on that, Kevin. But I thought that yeah, that I noticed was an particularly in Victoria, the Victorian dynamic. farming people and um, people like Chester who got dropped by him, of course, have come out making that point, and that uh, you know, from if you listen to Keith Pitt, who actually got demoted anyway, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because we regard him as a villain, but he 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 almost looked good under under Barney. <laughs> um, but um, the Victorians are coming out saying, yeah, look, our farmers are upset because they they believe we have to address climate change and. Uh, yeah, they even had a little try of trying yeah. to disaffiliate with the federal um, party. So people yeah. were annoyed. Very much so. But uh, I mean, from a point of view, when I do my two satire pieces a week or one that gets repeated essentially, um, that uh, Barnaby is, is, a, is a wonderful thing for satire, by the way. So I'm, I'm, not, mm. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry he's there because uh, the, old, I mean, that's the old barnacle. The, that's the annoying thing, though, is that like these people... Just they they manage to be so silly as well as bad that um, they get a lot of media time, <laughs> and then you know people 
people end up liking them somehow. <laughs> Can't imagine why anyone. But anyway, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, just in the spirit again of NADOC week, by the way, I think it's worth noting uh, that that. Indigenous people are treated this way around the world. You've not, you're, I'm sure you would have caught up with the fact that in Canada they're finding hundreds of bodies of kids at uh, religious yeah. institutions who presumably were murdered. Uh, uh, and they would be, of course, stolen generations of, of the Indigenous people of Canada. But um, it's it's bloody awful. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's worth mentioning, I guess. Um, why don't we get John McPherson... And he can join us in discussion about a number of things. But, um, yeah, oh, just on that same theme. Now, before we go to that, oh, just one more thing on that particular theme. Yeah. Um, Telstra got fined $50 million, and I'm not sorry to hear it the way my phone's going at the moment. So um, Telstra got fined $50 million last week uh, by the consumer protection mob uh, because of its practice of selling selling um, deals to Indigenous communities who simply couldn't afford them. And, um, they, you know, selling um, customers' phones and iPads they couldn't afford. And uh, it was it was seen to be a, a pretty, se- well, obviously pretty serious offence because they got fined $50 million and the authorities said they hoped this will be a lesson to people to stop trying to exploit, um, you know, Indigenous yeah. and poor people. But um, I think that was a... It was a pretty important decision. I don't know what fifty million makes to the Telstra yeah, shareholders. But I was you know. just thinking that I have no idea how big fifty million is as a fine for Telstra. No, I'm, I'm, no <laughs> it, idea. It could just be, you know, water off their back. But yeah. hopefully, it's done something. Well, they might. Hopefully, they won't do it again. It was some. It was Telstra franchisees mostly doing it, but still, they were the they were at the top of the tree, and so they they still responsible for the whole thing. Okay, let's let's take a quick break. Get John McPherson on the line, and we'll go on with some more nonsense discussion. No, <laughs> some good discussion. <laughs> the census is happening this August. Your answers help make a better future for all of us, like the number of babies. So health services know where we need mums and bubs programs and the number of people in communities to plan local transport services. You can help tell our story. Look out for instructions on what to do. For more info, visit census.abs.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter.
Okay, John McPherson's on the line. John, of course, comes on every month to talk about transport issues on this program and uh, has for many years. John, unfortunately, at the moment with COVID restrictions, you can't be in the studio, so you're not getting a cup of tea, which is pretty awful, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing okay with the instant coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor thing. <laughs> I know. Uh, and um, and we'll just um, we'll get on to transport later. But anything particularly hitting you at the moment on this area? Ah, uh, well, I, I was I was listening to um, Zeb's um, comments about Barnaby, <laughs> and having having to agree. And fascinating that the most sensible National Party guy, who seems to be Darren Chester down in Gippsland, that that, that the whole Victorian Nationals would like to. Um, well, you know, they're sort of thinking they'd like to bail out of the federal nationals. Uh, yeah. So I and guess it's pretty hard because it's like being in the mafia, I think, if you're in the nationals. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it does. But it's potentially a promising sign that um, farming, the farming community is really mm. recognising that climate change is a problem and, and separating themselves from uh, the interests of miners and such like. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the Nats seem to have got so fascinated by the by the mining. I think I think it's to do with um, donations and also possible future career opportunities after they leave mm. politics. Very That's cynical, my... John. Very cynical indeed. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's cynical, but I'm afraid we're, when you're looking at Australian politics, what else can you do? <laughs> Yeah, and of, well, of course, in Victoria, we saw, and Zeb would know because she, she's involved with Friends of the Earth, but they, their campaign worked with farmers in the anti-gas campaign for many years now. And, mm. you know, this year, the government, state government seems to be church reversing all that. But there was, you know, you go to um, conferences, you go to rallies about climate mm. change, and there'd be all sorts of areas putting up signs saying we are farmers from this area across mm-hmm. Victoria. and. Yeah, well, um, look, that's so the, a, that's yeah. the national close, you know, close the gates, shut the gates. Lock the gates. Shut the, yeah. Yeah, Lock shut the, gate, the gates, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and, but that, that doesn't seem to register with the likes of uh, Barnaby and other, other, you know, mainly New South Wales-based, uh, sorry, New South Wales and Queensland-based um, Nats. Yeah, nor, they're really extraordinary. Nor the aforementioned Keith Pitt. Um, we mentioned, we mentioned yes. a few weeks ago on this program that Pitt had knocked back a, a proposal right. for a uh, renewable energy project up in up up north. This is the far north Queensland. Far yeah. north Queensland. This is the Northern Australia Infrastructure Facility. The the money yeah. they have um, they have to hand out to developments in the north. Yeah, so just a few flush fund, yeah. few weeks after he knocked back the 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 wind farm in North Queensland, mm-hmm. he, this week he's approved a loan. Of yep. two hundred and seven, of one hundred and seventy-five million, yeah. to a coal mine in central Queensland, mm. uh-huh. um, which um, seems to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a contradiction. But anyway, he because at the time he said that um, renewable energy was now strong enough to to stand on its own two feet without support. Yeah. But apparently, coal isn't yet; it's still working <laughs> up to it. Um, coal's, coal's only been mined for you know in Australia for probably two hundred years and. <laughs> And yet it can't stand on its own no, two it's feet. No, yeah. in real trouble, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he pointed out the project was to mine metallurgical coal, which is known as coking coal, which is the only mm-hmm. viable way to make steel. Well, in fact, of course, if he's putting something into a project mm-hmm. that's going to be looking years ahead to continue to do that, 
Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they are now developing green hydrogen that can help in right. steel production. So maybe it, there'll be a problem there. Right. The, 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 yeah. the investment might go down the gurgler. Uh, and of course, some people did oppose it, though. You'll be surprised to hear. Um, <laughs> the Clean Energy Council said the funding was hard to believe as countries around the world phased out coal mining. Clean energy investors will be dismayed by the decision to fund a new coal mine through the NAIF just weeks after the Federal Minister unusually intervened to veto a NAEP decision to finance a new hybrid renewable energy and battery project and the Australian Conservation Foundation climate and energy campaigner Susan Harder said it was deeply irresponsible to use taxpayers' money for a coal project in 2021. But that's where that lot are, unfortunately, that part of the National Party. Yeah, it's it's, um, truly astonishing. The... um the use of hydrogen in you know to make steel that's being pushed ahead quite fast i think in germany and i think sweden in china i think china too i yeah, think so good. yeah yeah great yeah 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 well well um there's another part of the australian you know resources industry of course is getting very excited about exporting exporting hydrogen in some form um overseas you know green hydrogen that's hydrogen that's um, produced with um, with renewable electricity. Uh, that's that's sort of going on. It, you know, you've got you've got all these different different parts of the the industry sort of at, at sixes and sevens, really. Some parts quite advanced um, and determined to keep moving, you know, in the right direction towards more green green production. And yet, you've got these other these other guys who were who were who were, you know, trying to drag us back into the 1950s, um, and you can't rely on the federal government to 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 um, to try and sort sort out the mess and you know put things on a on a sensible basis. The states are having to try and um, you know in their own muddled way sort of sort the sort the business out. In fact, on that point you just made, a bloke called mm. Paul Flynn, who's um, head of uh, Whitehaven Coal, oh, yeah. uh, he came out uh, last week <clears throat> and attacked the banks for failing to... to um, they should be made to detail the social and economic impacts of their aversion to investing in coal in return for continuing to receive the taxpayer-backed bank guarantee, he said. <laughs> and he made, a, he made a submission to a parliamentary inquiry saying uh, the banks have been spooked by activists into demonising one of the nation's biggest exports and in doing so getting too far ahead of national policy on climate change. Well, you've only, you only got to say you want to reduce the climate a bit to be ahead of national policy on climate change. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah well, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's all completely, you know, addled and yet certainly the Prime Minister doesn't want to doesn't want to try and sort the mess out. I, you know, it's, you can never quite tell with him whether he actually agrees with the nationals, say, or the you know the resource-based nationals that that we should all go back to the 1950s, or whether he actually does agree that we ha- actually have to move towards a green a green future. You can't really tell where he stands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you, you mean day by day, minute by minute? What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess you know he's got to he's got to keep his cards a little bit close, just so that he can you know sniff out where the money is and then go along with whatever that is. Yeah, well, we certainly 
certainly the last thing we have to do is sympathise sympathise with him. Poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) The 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 right wing media will sympathise with him all the way to the you know all the way to the next election, of course. Well, the woman Banks. I can't think of her first name. Starts with J. What's her name? Whatever her name is. Julia. Julia Julia Banks. Banks. Who came out the other night on seven thirty and attacked him. but um, I'm sure she, she'd agree with you, John, that maybe we shouldn't uh, feel sorry for him. <laughs> I, think so. I think you're right there. <laughs> and, uh, the, but also on that, it was interesting that the Herald Sun mm-hmm. did not report one word of what she said against Morrison. No, no, no mention of it, except wow. they've got a, yeah. because their regular cartoonist who's absolutely dreadful is away, they've got another one who's absolutely dreadful that's stepping in. And his cartoon yesterday was about that issue. But the, that was the only sign anyone who just read the Herald Sun would know that she'd done anything, and they wouldn't know what he was talking about. No, well, you know, I, I hate it. to say it, but she's only a woman. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Yeah, well, that was the point she was making, wasn't it, really? Yes. That's, that's what they, yes. re- that's so, what well, they that's do. Really, that's really what, 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 what um, yeah. it's sort of saying, isn't it? Yeah. Because she's... Because she's only a woman, she doesn't sort of count. Well, I think also the attack on Morrison probably was not uh, one the Herald Sun wanted to promote too much either. But uh, oh, yeah. there you are. But also on on the energy issue, um, mm. Santos um, is is trying to develop a in South Australia a, a carbon capture and storage project, which so far, of course, has always proved to be almost impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. doesn't work anyway. But they're, they're waiting on government approval so they can get some sort of government subsidies for it. Yeah. Um, but it's turned out <clears throat> that, and I didn't, it turns out that when they do something that with, it's cutting emissions so the government pays the money under that scheme that Abbott bought in, Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, they don't have to have it proven. They just have to, the government takes their word that they're reduced by whatever, which is pretty amazing, <laughs> given the given the, the morals of our, you know, well, sorry, well, capitalist well, class. Know, they're, all gen- they're all gentlemen. You <laughs> That's know, right. Yeah. Trust them, trust them, trust them. Sure, the Australian the, car- way, the gentleman, the gentleman uh, knew how to, to look after, Ju- you know, Julia Banks. Exactly. You know. An Australian yeah. carbon credit unit Well. That's but even the Credit Suisse has come out and said, look, what they're trying to do mm. is gain money on the Australian Carbon Credit Union from that, and yeah. then they also um, they count them as a net zero as part of, of of sales to a net zero target where they claim emissions reductions again from the government. So there's two areas, and the the Swiss bank says that they're clearly double dipping. And getting money off the government for for the same emission cut twice, if they manage to cut the emissions anyway with carbon capture and storage, which is you know questionable, um, which is interesting because we when um, when big when business comes out against against making casual workers full time, they say but they get they they double dipping because they got paid in their casual allowance yep. for holidays yep. and things. So workers are double dipping, but apparently yeah. if you claim twice for the same emissions from the government and yep. not just yep. a not just a bit of a salary of a casual worker but millions of dollars, then apparently yep. that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it's the same um, yeah. Same things happening all over the whole of the economy and society. And um, um plenty of commentators are pointing out that this sort of stuff's got got worse under Morrison and and Co than it had been previously, but it's been there for a long time. Uh, no sort of um, 
No sort of morality, really. Just, just, you know, how much money can we squeeze out of our mates? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, another thing, while we're still on the topic of the, the energy sector, we've been talking about uh, gas and, and AGL has been mentioned a few times in the past few weeks. And uh, cool. they've, they've got in trouble again. Um, fined $15,000 following a spill of toxic... Co- toxic coal ash at Bayswater Power Station and this is only six months after um, AGL entered a $1 million enforceable undertaking uh, with the New South Wales EPA following a similar incident in September 2019. Um, So I don't, also $15,000, like it just doesn't seem like anything. I don't see how that would affect them at all. Um, but well, they'll be shedding tears and bleeding in the boardroom there, won't they? Oh, they will. That's, Fifteen thousand right. dollars. That, that is... That's that's their that's their one day's salary for them in the boardroom. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that's about enough to feed the uh, feed a good dinner to the uh, board after the meeting. You know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, it's, uh, um, AGL, of course, are, are, are talking about. Um, Demerging, so they're going to have mm. a separate company which will have all the all the filthy stuff, Loy Yang, etc. But they're running yeah. into some trouble because the even the the market itself has has has, has lo- lowered their fares. Oops, we hit something. Have lowered their fares, uh, lowered their um their share price uh, because they say it's not viable, and uh, so they're running into a bit of trouble. Poor at AGL, yeah. oh dear, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they've they've got a plan to reduce their rehabilitation liability um, as part of that demerger and like cost cutting drive. So they're really <laughs> trying their best to avoid having any responsibility for impacts on the environment. That's right. Yeah, yeah well, well, there's a huge there's a huge issue in the in the restitution of all these mines that are being left. Left as holes in the ground all over the all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. And the scale of the scale of modern mining, of course, means that the holes are pretty damn big. Well, the Macarthur River mob on the news last night had finally apologised to the indigenous community up there in the Northern Territory for the destruction <laughs> it's caused, and it even redirected yeah. the bloody river, of course, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. against the wishes of the indigenous people. But it apologised, but it's still going to go on. I thought the best apology would be to pack up and go home. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And rehabilitate, uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the uh, that's the problem. They can yeah. they can drag their heels on the rehabilitation for as, as long as needed. It would seem. That's right. It's bloody anyway. The um, and also um, interesting. The International Energy Agency has come out and said, look, even when we come out of the pandemic or our pro, pro, you know in the future. Uh, that we've got enough gas in the world, we don't need to get any more um, mm. in terms of what the mine's already there. Uh, but this this is seen as a bit of a bash to the old to our government's idea that we have we need a gas led recovery and they're trying to you know develop gas all over mm. the bloody country. Mm. But interestingly enough, the the International Energy Agency report said that. Rebounding demand for gas means the world is on track to miss net zero emissions by 2070, let alone 2050. Um, you know, and, and I think 2050 should be more like 2030 anyway, but uh, or even yeah. even 2022 perhaps. <laughs> well, um, well, you know, the whole the whole thing looks pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. It's, let's let's just think about what's just happened in Canada. You know, with you know with. Um, you know, forty forty nine point seven degrees 
grade yeah. in a town up in, you know, up in the mountains of Canada, for heaven's sake. Followed then two or three days later by a, a, a wildfire that completely destroyed the town of Lytton, you know. Yeah, and that, and you, you, know, you, th- you know that that sort of even makes that that sort of makes the news on the you know the sort of thing that usually happens in Australia. <laughs> yes, really. and and of course California has already got the fires going early in the season mm-hmm. as usual, <clears throat> but it's um, mm-hmm. yeah I think those people recognise that climate change may be worth having a crack at trying to do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. Um, <laughs> It's starting. To, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm getting very old and cynical. It's starting to look as if it's if everybody just is giving up on it. It's too hard, you know. Yeah, and just this week, by the way, before we go on the transport shortly, John. By the sure. way, it's getting close to the time when you start shaking, so I better be That's careful. That's right. I start switching. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> the, but you'll be pleased to hear that Jennifer Westacott from the um, Business Council. She came out last week and said that we need to increase productivity and really get going and recovering the economy. Um, oh, good. And then we can have wage, slow wages growth can stop. So apparently that's still a problem for them, slow wages growth. Yet, <laughs> yet last Thursday in the Financial Review, there was a front page headline, market delivers thumping returns in best years since roaring 1980s. Australian yep. shares have posted their best financial year in more than three decades, delivering thundering returns for investors that recall the go-go days of Wall Street and sending the market value of blue chips beyond $2 trillion for the first time. <coughs> Excuse me. Yep. Right now, um, apparently, though, that's not good enough to, have to, to end slow wages growth, John. Um, we, workers still have to be, improve their productivity. Oh, yeah, well, you to, know. The workers, the workers always have to get by on a bowl of gruel, and <laughs> that's right. <coughs> more because they should be so grateful to have a job at all. You know, more you want more? Yeah, that's right. <coughs> the um, actually, it, I raised that because that was last Thursday's financial review. The previous yeah. Thursday, uh. there was a story talking about the national debt. Now, note it said blue chips value beyond two trillion for the first time. Yeah. Guess what the national debt was reported as the week before? Two trillion? Spot on, John. Spot on. Ah. You picked it up. So there you are. So they could, with, with what they've earned off the, on the stock market last week, they could pay off the national debt. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, didn't, our, didn't our treasurer say the other day that um, we weren't going to get back into surplus? You remember how important it was to have the... Um, Federal budget in surplus oh, when absolute. Labor was yes, in power. Yes, yes, yes. And now he's saying, oh, it'll be 40 years before we get back to a surplus. <laughs> and he seemed quite relaxed about it. Well, in fact, um, woman um, Watkins, who, who, what's her name, um, Alison Watkins, who's on the, who's the head of, um, of uh, Coca-Cola Amatil, um, went, who went from cigarettes to junk food, now, uh, and a, she's on other. She's, she's on the. I think she's also on the Reserve Bank board, and she's all you know oh, really? in all, all sorts of areas. She had a feature <laughs> yep, article yep. last week saying that you know the government debt has to be addressed, and we have to. So she's now saying having business having benefited all last year from the government yeah. going into debt is now saying yeah. we have to tighten our belts, all of us. Of That's really not them, but us, um, yeah. to uh, get it back on deck again. So um, yeah, there you yeah, are. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when in doubt, when in doubt, you know. Blame, you know, not blame, well, blame the government, but, you know, accused the government of, um, you know, 
spending too much money. I mean, oh, it's, yes. it's, 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 um, it's the first line they, line they reach for, yeah. yeah they, and, of course, of... If, forgive me, but that company, of course, you know, does a whole lot of things that are so so socially worthwhile, you know. <laughs> Was it soft drink and uh, fast food, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Fast shop drink, mm. soft drink, fast food. They they make a major country. Well, they went. Amatil, of course, got out of CA. Made Benchard and Hedges. They got out of cigarettes, no, right. yeah. and yeah. they're now yeah. Coca Cola, Amatil. So they 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 continue to look after public health in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and just to finish on that note, the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry came out and said they you know the government should lead the federal government should lead the charge to get rid of state payroll taxes and replace mm-hmm. them with increasing the GST so that we, we the ordinary people, pay rather than them. Yep, yep. So that's yeah, pretty, well, it's pretty, it? it's pretty clear, of course, that the GST was about moving the, moving more of the taxation down the scale to, to ordinary ordinary punters rather than the rich. Yeah. yeah. I've always yeah, thought... And, I, and, of course, I can see there's scope for doing more of that, yeah. I've always thought being a pensioner and... Um, and there's a there's a there's a tax limit, you know, below which you don't pay tax. Um, mm, mm. I've thought if I kept every receipt for the year of where I pay GST and then claimed it, saying, "Well, I'm below the tax threshold, I shouldn't have to pay any tax." Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure they'd find a way of telling me I can't do that. But I thought it was interesting if you tried it. Oh yeah, they'd get you. They'd get you, Kev. <laughs> they'd get me. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get you shortly to talk All about right. transport. But just take a very quick okay. break and come back and have a yarn about transport. Great. A proud black man, a proud black man, you should not wonder. Strong spirit, First Nations issues, families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunakurnai and Bidwell and Monaro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. Okay, back on City Limits, and John McPherson on the line, our transport guru, John. Um, and um, John, w- one item that's been in the news the last couple of days is this that this uh, this um, news that the Geelong Melbourne line, the fast train that was promised, which would cut about ten minutes off the service to fifty yeah. minutes, 
is going to be delayed until the airport link, uh, which will open in 2029. And the speculation is, well, what, why, why delay it? Because there's no real connection between the two, is there? <laughs> well, I suppose the connection, Kevin, is how much, how much capital the um, state government wants to allocate to various projects. Yeah, really, and um, you know that their judgment is maybe that the um, airport rail link is more important to them, electorally than, um, excuse me, speeding up the Geelong line. Mm. Yeah, it talks about the fact that the Geelong the Geelong line would be upgrading the Werribee corridor. So in fact, if it's if it, if you get a fast train, well, that then goes straight through Werribee and avoid all that that run out through Tarnit and those places. Well, that seems to be the plan. Um, and that, that and that 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 route through Werribee is, you know, I've always thought that was more more mm. obvious. Mm. But it it works very well as far as Newport, you know. Um, but then from Newport to get to the city from Newport, the present line, then you have to um, squeeze onto the tracks with the suburban trains coming from um, Werribee and um, Williamstown and Altona have to squeeze onto two tracks. From there to Footscray, so and that so that is really the, the the difficult part, I think. In some ways, you can build extra tracks for the fast trains, you know, from Werribee, Werribee in into Newport quite easily because there's a very wide corridor. Mm. Rail's got a very wide corridor, yeah. So, you know. But but, but there, there is certainly an issue between Newport and Footscray. Uh, the line that bypasses North Melbourne, that wouldn't help in that situation? Uh, no, not so much because of the way... Because the trains coming in from Newport are coming in... Uh, how, to, how to explain so it? So you're saying there's not enough line there to, for the fast train to avoid the suburban network? Uh, yeah. This is where it all gets complicated. It depends which which trains you're talking about. So you've got you've got suburban trains and you've got the regional trains from Ballarat and, and Bendigo. They're coming in on the on the the new pair of tracks that were laid from um, from, 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 from from Sunshine into into Footscray and then over the river. Um, how you know how how many other trains can you put on those tracks? And of course, you've got you have all sorts of flat junctions at at um, Footscray, unless you spend an awful lot of money on you know flying junctions and all sorts of things. Um, yeah, it gets very complicated, and and preferably you want to have trains that run in the same speed band on the same tracks. You don't want to have a mixture of, you know, trains that are supposed to be running fast along with trains that are supposed to be stopping at all stations on mm. the same tracks. So really, you know, the, the, if you really wanted to speed up the Geelong train, you would be digging a new line under the river from Newport that came, came up in the um, Fishman's Bend. And then... Um, but still underground. But then, and then went underneath, uh, probably underneath um, Southern Cross Station, uh, and then out the other side to um, connect through underneath Fitzroy Say, and then 
to Clifton Hill, where it could join, try, you know, connect to the lines coming in from places like uh, Munda and uh, and Epping and um, dare I say it, even Doncaster. Do you say it, John? <laughs> is that sort of because um, there is this idea of a like Melbourne Metro Two, which mm, that's is, it. is sort of like the. Uh, reflection of the Melbourne Metro that's being built. Um, yep, yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. That would, that would, that would, um, that would be the way to really speed up the trains, trains from Geelong. You'd probably get them down, you know, closer to 40 minutes if you, if you did that. But um, even, even now, if you went back through Werribee, because, I, you know, I used to know going down <clears> to Torquay and the Surf Coast, I used it quite sure. a lot. Um, sure. And once they went from going through Werribee out to Tarnit and those places, um, it did slow it down. Uh, and surely, if they just went back through Werribee and gave a separate service to Tarnit and, those, and that, mm. that line mm. out there, it would speed up the Geelong line anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you, you still have this problem when you get to get Newport. To Newport, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite difficult. I don't think it's impossible. I think you could. I think you could put in a third track. From Newport to Footscray, um, uh, you know, the, but the corridor there is quite narrow. But I think you could squeeze a third track in, but you couldn't squeeze in a pair, of, a pair of tracks, so that the the fast trains would have their own pair of tracks. But they could at least have a track for the for the peak direction of the fast trains to be separated from the um, from the suburban trains. I, mm. That's just, but that's my my opinion, and I. You know, the boys at, and girls at the um, Department of Transport are probably more conservative about what they'd, um, what they'd be prepared to, um, you know, contemplate. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's a mess. I think, I think going round the back, you know, the way the present line goes, um, that, was the, uh, that was done, when was it? When was it built? Ten years ago. That was really mm. done because it was easy, I think, um, rather than rather than persist with the more direct lines via Werribee, when they would have had to, you know, spend more money money then to um, to improve the um, to improve the the existing the existing line. So you know, as is often the case, they've done the done done the thing that looks easy, and then realised, oh no, we've got to go back and do the thing that was hard anyhow. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, of course, John. Uh, it's not probably much easier than you think it is, because David Davis, the um, the the Liberal Transport oh, yeah. spokesperson, yeah. he said the coalition had promised in 2018 to deliver 32 minute services within four years. So he's got the solution somewhere up his sleeve. Oh, fabulous! I think he, mm. I, I, that'll be that would be um, <laughs> that would be fascinating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think he. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, I don't know. Well, I could, we don't yeah, often leave you speechless. You can hear I'm a little... <laughs> You're never short I, of a word, John. We've got you. Uh, no, no, I'm You're short gone. of them now. I'm thinking, I'm thinking he must be running the trains at about 200 kilometres an hour <laughs> as soon as they leave, um, as soon as they leave north, north Geelong and then putting on the brakes very hard when they get to Newport. Well, the clue might be in a, in a small mistake in the story because the story, this is the Herald Sun story, it says the Andrews uh-huh. government, which is in charge of planning the project... But yeah. it spells planning P L A N I N G, so it actually says planning the project. Planning. So <laughs> maybe they're going to fly them. Well, that's probably not accurate. Yeah. 
slicing the edges off the project. Yeah, that sounds about right. Amazing. Because it's usually what happens. Things are promised, you know, and then and then over time, oh, that's too hard. Oh, this is too hard. Yeah, we'll we'll cut that out. We'll cut this out. Yeah, well, that's often often what happens. But but I I um, am fascinated, you know. The with, they're discovering how hard it is to you know to improve the road capacity, you know, for peak traffic from the west, you know, with the um, the um, tunnel, you know, the Westgate Tunnel. And all that sort of thing. It's that's all turning into such a such a nightmare to build. Uh, but they're still they're still, of course, determined to do it. And of course, they're they're thoroughly committed now because it's been going on for years. Mm. But really, if they'd analysed the issues, they would have concluded that the, the capacity they need needed was to get people from, you know, the Geelong region to, you know, roughly central Melbourne for work. And surely, it would have been far, far cheaper. Even if you, even if you are talking about 200 kilometre an hour trains, to to build the capacity as rail, you know, rather than this all this wild, you know, mad freeway widening and tunnel digging. Um, you know, they, they they just aren't prepared to even analyse, you know, the the the. Um, the efficiency of rail and accept that it would be more efficient way to get people into the centre of the city. Um, yeah, and I was going to raise it later, but also just on that very point about encouraging yeah. cars and things, yeah. notice Melbourne City Council's got this proposal to offer $5 parking fees. They're apparently going to subsidise the parking places. Right. Um, and to bring people, this is at weekends, to bring people back into the city. But you've right. got a city where public transport runs in from all directions and you, yeah. you, you, what they're doing is, is offering an incentive to bring cars in, yep. Um, yep. saying that, you know, or we'd argue the obvious reason why you shouldn't. Yep. I, mean, I know this might reflect the fact there are certain parts of Melbourne where it's very difficult to get anywhere without a car, but mm. um, nonetheless, one would have mm. thought some sort of subsidy to people to use public transport to get in mm. would help. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, rather than I mean, we, we, I mean, we, uh, it's, it's sort of total schizophrenia. I think, really, in the official mind, and that's at you know um, local government and state government and federal government level, public transport's really only there to take up take up the slack when the road network um, simply can't cope. And that they really want—they really want to allow as many, many people as possible to go everywhere by, by car. You know, even even to the centre of the city. Um, that's that's really what they assume the people that matter want to do. They want to drive, want to drive everywhere. Um, so they're they're not really prepared to to do more than just um, you know. Patch, patch up around the edges with public transport. But, you know, when you look at the distance from the Geelong region to Melbourne in the amount of people who, who travel by train and by road, you know, you, and then you look at what happens in other countries, for instance, um, London, New York, they all have huge commuter networks where they, they, you know, bring people to work from, you know, well over 100 kilometres away by fast train daily things like that you know and that, that's and they they are you know they are fast trains they are not these these um 
dawdling sort of trains that we have. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to matter how much the politicians promise here. In the end, when things actually start running, they end up being quite, quite slow, you know. But I must say, you'd, you'd, you'd think that most people who were travelling to central Melbourne to work, if they could get a comfortable seat on a commuter train, where they didn't have to drive, they didn't have to get caught in peak hour congestion, they didn't have to deal with breakdowns on the Westgate Bridge every day, would rather be on a fast, reliable train because that's what happens in you know other comparable comparable cities. But it doesn't seem possible for it to I'm happen. I'm sure they would because you could peak time, you go out and look, have a look at the eastern freeway or southeastern freeway, those freeways or Westgate Bridge, and they're yeah, just chock yeah. a block. I mean, people can't it move is. anyway, and no, it must be so frustrating to do that day after day. Totally, it is, yes. Mm. <clears throat> but, but it seems to me that they just, the, the powers, the, the planners and, and the, and the paymasters simply aren't prepared to spend enough to, to, um, to increase the. Um, the um, quality of the uh, the rail services to yeah. to a, a level that really you know really um, would do the job, but you know but we've got to chuck in here that the after after COVID, you know we 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 just don't really know how things are going to go after mm. after that. It does seem to be the case that there'll be a lot more people working some of the time from home. And they won't. They won't need to commute. However, they commute. They won't need to commute to the office. They'll be able to do do things from home. So that may, you know, may change the um, the balance. It may be that even even the you know the West Westgate Tunnel doesn't generate the um, the revenue that um, the Transurban and um, the government expected to. And of course, all of these projects, these road projects. The, the cost of them is just going up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Westgate Tunnel project, it's gone up by, by billions. And I think the same can be said for the Northwest Northwest so-called link, you know, the great huge tarmac building project in the northeast of, of Melbourne. Yeah, a mob called Boston Consulting last week brought out a report that said just that. It said more than half of the large-scale mm. road and rail projects being built by wealthy countries around the world have blown mm. budgets. Mm. And mm. it mentions that um, our tunnel overrun's gone up by 62%, I think, um, already. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you see, I think the the mindset of governments now, or, or certainly people who have the, the sort of mindset of Dan Andrews, is that, well, you know, the interest rates are so low that it hardly matters how much money we borrow, you know, and that's certainly that's that's the same sort of um, approach that Josh um, Frydenberg seems to be uh, adopting. You know, it doesn't matter how much we borrow, it won't really affect it won't really affect um, anybody or anything until interest rates go up again, of course. Yeah, but but we still end up with a city that's you know dominated more and more by huge huge road projects. You know, mm. it's as if our ambitions are still to to um, become another Los Angeles. Well, encouraging use of car also. Just any comment on this latest, the the the, the railway station parking rot of the federal government. Oh, yes. uh, and apparently, apparently, areas where it was going to go, the local government and the state government had no idea until the government announced it in the mm. election. Anyway, so mm. yeah, well, that was sort of just um, you know 
the local members, Liberal local members, of course, just um, thought, oh, yes, it'd be nice to have some more parking in our local station. Yeah, everybody's always complaining. Let's do it. And it didn't... Um, didn't matter how 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 expensive it'd be or whether it was possible to do it at all because you do need to you know you do need to have available land even if you know but of course that land might be better used as a park and things like that my my favorite it doesn't seem to get mentioned that much was balaclava you know balaclava station right there and quite quite densely um densely um Populated area. Yeah. Yeah. No, no obvious open spaces nearby. But no, no, even the local member there, he was to, he was on the list to, to get a big um, to get a big car. That's car park. Tim, Tim. What's his name? Isn't it? Uh, the bloke. Tim the ex, Wilson. The ex Wilson. Yeah. The ex Institute of Public Affairs bloke. Yeah. 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 Well, there, there, of course, would be out on the out on the fringe of stupid on this sort of stuff. Well, and most things they are out on the fringe of stupid. But um, he... he uh, I can't think of anything he's not out in the fringe of, but go on, yeah. <laughs> he thought, you know, he thought that was a great idea. But but I think local government came back and said, look, terribly sorry, but there's simply nowhere to put... nowhere to put this car park. I mean, you know, by Melbourne standards, Balaclava has good public transport. You know, it's got a mm. rail line, it's got tram lines, it's got bus buses going in most directions. You know, it's it's an inner suburb for heaven's sake. It's the last place you need ex- you need car parking at the station. But mm. thankfully, it's not going to get it. But gee, no, well, that's the good thing the about. Trying. I suppose the good thing about the roads is that they have, they've only built two. I think, haven't they? Of the promise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, don't worry. They'll recycle them for the next election. <laughs> As always, they'll be back. No, look, really, there, there's, there's probably a case. I think, and uh, and you know, friends of the earth may not agree because friends of the earth think you know there isn't much of a role for cars, and you know, but right out on the edges of the city, I can understand that that people are going to, you know, have to get to their local station by by car right out on the edges. And of course, from there they should get a decent express train to the city, but they don't get that very often in Melbourne. Um, and you can understand there that you might need some large car parks, but not in the middle and in the suburbs. Mm. But that's where many of these um, these car parking um, um, messes were going to be going to be built if they could possibly be built. Given there's no, you mentioned Balaclava as an example. Given yeah. there was no land available, how did they? Where did they think they're going to put it? No idea, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 did I, I, I think they thought they could take over some community. Um, there was some community um, organisation had a bit of land. Uh, I think they might have thought they could take that over for the far more important issue of commuter commuter car parking. I mean, when you think about it, think where think where Balaclava is, how close to the city that is. You know, and you think mm. you want to put a you want to put a commuter car park there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not smart. But speaking no. of not smart, also the I mentioned the five dollar track track cars to the city thing at weekends, yeah. but also the the Sally Cap mob. Um, one of her people, Regina Campbell, another councillor, is complaining about the rollout of bike lanes in the city. And she says, uh-huh. and if, if you are um, 
she says the reality is that for people who live, say, more than 25k away, maybe even more than 15k away, riding your bike is not how you get into the city. And if you are priced out of driving in or you are forced to take certain streets that are now less accessible and are reduced to one lane because of bike paths, that may be a deterrent for you. So there's a move on to cut back on bike paths, which seems oh, to be... Oh, yes, a... yes. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a right-wing meme all over the world now, that, that, that the roads have been... The roads have been restricted so terribly during the COVID period, and it's time to liberate the motorist again. Yeah, mm, those um, poor cars just don't have enough space on the roads that are built specially for them. Precisely. Yes, <laughs> yes all of that. All of that. Yeah, that's well underway. If you read the right, you know, right magazines, probably something from the IPA or you know, the Spectator. There are various magazines that are always talking about the uh, you know, the outrageous restrictions on on you know motorists and how terrible it is yes um, yeah and of course um, you know we, we can't even get our act together here in Australia to actually move at a reasonable rate towards electric electric cars even that's being slowed down as if there's something intrinsically wonderful about the internal combustion Mm. car which you know is is noisy and polluting but of course even if you do move towards cars uh, electric cars they're still cars they still take up a lot of space they can still they can still kill people they 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 still dominate the urban scene in a way that you know they shouldn't uh Mm -hmm. still need roads and parking yeah We might look, we're running yeah, out of time. Yeah. We might look next month at that because there's been speculation that because Australia is so low down in encouraging electric cars mm-hmm. and where other countries around the world saying that by 2030 or 2035, even some 2025, they're going to cut out combustion engine production, mm-hmm. um, we could be left with all the, the rubbish of the world's cars um, mm-hmm. because of our <laughs> slow take of electric. But We'll wait and see. Just on that point you raised about, or the point that um, Zeb raised about poor old cars need more road, uh, yeah. back in the 80s, and probably more now, but back in the 80s, Jack Mundy claimed that, and I think he was correct, he claimed that 30-plus percent of Sydney Sydney's space was devoted to the motor car, of the actual oh, land yeah. space oh, of yeah. Sydney was devoted totally to the motor car yeah, in all yeah. sorts that's, of ways. That's right. When you, analyze, when you, when you sit down and analyse it, yep. And I'm sure the figure would be possibly even higher for Melbourne because we're, you know, a bit more, bit more spread out than Sydney. Mm, yeah. Yes. It's uh, it's 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 staggering. Um, but uh, one one thing I'd like to say though is that if you know we're going to say to people, well, don't come into the city by car, come in come in by public transport. The public transport's got to be really good. Yes. Yes. And it, and in Melbourne it isn't. It, the, the, maybe in peak hours for some areas the public transport's not bad, but off peak, nearly everywhere, it's below par for a first world city, and there are many 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 parts of Melbourne where public transport is nearly non-existent. Yeah. So. Before, we've been, we've, been know, we've been saying for decades now, John, that you know, to yeah. get people out of their cars, you have to provide a viable, frequent mm. public transport system mm. that they can mm. use and know they're going to get there yep. as quickly or even quicker quickly if they get caught in traffic jams. Reasonably quickly and, and, and reliably, yeah. 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 Um, 
and we simply don't seem to be you know able to move move to that it seems to be too much for governments to uh, to to go to that we just do this this project thing you know which governments seem to love because it gives them a a big a big set of mm. uh, headlines that they can out. It doesn't take transport to where it ought to be. Um, no. Okay, we'll look, we're going to actually have to... not take it, take public transport seriously. They really don't. Going to have to wind up here, John. We're out of time. But um, okay. look, thanks for yours this morning, and we'll uh, I'll catch up with you hopefully before next month because that bet I told you of is at the end of July, so we might get together in early August at last. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, John. Okay. Cheers, um... everybody. See you, Zeb. See you, Karina. Okay, thanks, John. And um, and on that, thanks, Karina, for keeping us doing a wonderful job. Next week, next week we're hoping to... It's an energy day, but we talked to people a bit about energy today, didn't we? We might have made up for it, because I think we're hoping next week to talk um, to... Um, I'll put her name. Tell me her name quickly. Uh, Libby Porter? Libby Porter. God, I'm having a senior's moment very much so. Um, <laughs> Libby, Libby Porter, who's a, who's a wonderful academic on, on housing issues, and we'll talk to her hopefully next week on City Limits. And Zeb, um, Zeb say goodbye. Yes, goodbye, everyone. And also, um, there's, don't, don't forget that um, there's Beyond the Bars special broadcast for NADOC week at 11 a.m. Today it goes from 11 to 3 um, and they'll be broadcast from Fulham Correctional Centre and Lodden Prison. Um, so just keep listening. Just don't turn your radio off. <laughs> You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.